Hello and welcome wherever you're listening to Between the Ears. I'm your host, Luke McPherson, and it's a pleasure to have you on board today. I've got a really exciting guest today. His name is James O'Neill. He's an Iron Man, and we'll get into that a little bit later. But I firstly want to say, when I first started getting this show off the ground, James was one of the first names that came to mind. He's someone that I'm really interested in. His story, he works full-time. He has a wife and a young son, but... In his downtime, he's training and pushing his body to the absolute limits um, as an endurance athlete. So he recently competed in Kona, which is the Ironman World Championships in Hawaii. And Ironman is basically the longest type of triathlon you can do. It's a 3.6k swim, a 180-kilometer bike ride, and then a marathon just to finish it off when you, if you're not too tired. But in Kona, the ride is sort of up a hill then the the run is what really interests interests me he called it the energy lab but basically you're running in sort of like a desert filled with volcanic rocks so it's getting so much heat radiation from the sun it's absolutely ridiculous as he said it wasn't he did it on a day that was actually pretty good and it was still 38 degrees which is which is just ridiculous but one thing that I found really interesting about James is obviously he's got that work-life balance. He's, he's working full-time and he's still got a family um, and he's putting in sort of elite effort into this athletic pursuit of his. Um, endurance athletes are, are pretty special people to tap into the minds of um, and to be able to have a couple of minutes to, to chat with him um, in his home was, was really great. So thanks very much. Um, have a listen. Please like, subscribe, um, leave a review on whatever platform of your choice. Apparently it helps. That's what people keep telling me. So get around it. Um, and yeah, enjoy. really excited to be sitting across from this man today. He's as fit as anyone you'll meet. He's driven like crazy and he's welcomed me into his home to have a bit of a chat about um, what makes him tick. So Iron Man, James O'Neill, welcome to the show, mate. Thanks, Luke. Thanks for the invite. It's, uh, it's good to be on it. Mate, words can't express how excited I am for this chat and to get a bit of time to you to speak about what you do and more importantly, how you do it and a bit of the mental side of that. Um, I think I'm going to learn a lot today, and I think the listeners will as well from your story. But now you know how I'm feeling. I want to know what are you feeling going into being on a podcast, mate? Where's your Where's your mind at as we begin this recording? Yeah, cheers, Luke. I'm just stoked and surprised that someone's actually interested in triathlon and especially Ironman. So um, I don't even know if uh, if kind of got to mention the West Australian. So um, yeah, thanks for being interested, mate. And, and hopefully, there's one or two people out there that are as well. Awesome, mate. Yeah, we love we love different stories on the show and and sharing the ones that might not get as much for as a pump up. Um, now, before we start, always like to do a bit of a gratefulness exercise. Yeah, I did flick your text. You've had a bit of time to prepare, but most people always get me to go first. Yeah, because obviously they didn't have as much time to prepare as I thought they might. Do you want to go first, or you want me to go first? 
Um, yeah, look, happy to go first because you're right. Um, you did. Thanks for pointing that. You did give me forewarning. So, no worries, mate. Um, was that your idea, or was it plagiarised? Did you go to the presentation and listen to Hugh? Um, oh, I love, I love what Hugh's doing. Yeah. If we can, um, if we can be in the ballpark, if we can be mentioned in the same sentence as Hugh, mate, I'll be, I'll be happy as Larry. So. Yeah, my wife and I've actually um, recently listened to his audio book while travelling and uh, went and saw him uh, do his presentation at the convention centre recently. So, have you listened to the second? audio book i've done the first yeah. um but the second book are you getting into that yeah actually i think it's the second one i did listen to and i, I yeah. did go back and listen to the first so first um, is is nuts mate i'm one of those people that every time i listen to an audio book i talk about it for three weeks and tell everyone that's changed my life but yeah. but that was definitely one where i was like this is um nah some pretty special stuff that he goes into and yeah I think it's I think it's great what he's doing. Yeah, he's fantastic. Absolutely. Look, um, three things for me. Uh, I was really fortunate on Saturday. My wife had a um a girls' weekend. She went to a um a baby shower sleepover, uh, and I had my little man in the afternoon. We had a boys' day. Went for a swim uh, down at the ark, and then took him out for dinner in Freo to Shanghai Kitchen. And um, yeah, it was it was awesome just spending some quality one on one time with with him. He's three and a half. Um, and that's that special. Uh, number two, caught up with my best mate and his wife and uh, our three goddaughters up in the hills at a fairy festival. Um, I actually saw your brother there. I think we'd reached our quota by about the uh, the two and a half hour mark. <laughs> Enough fairies for the day. Yeah, yeah. But no, it was good to see him and my best mate and yeah, went around to their place um, in the afternoon. The kids had a ball, so uh, that was great. And actually going to see my family this evening. Uh, which is for for a dinner. My brother's just in the navy and he's been out at sea for um, almost a year, so it's going to be be good spending some time, quality time together. Awesome, mate. That's great. I'll I'll get into my three. Um, your your three are pretty good. They're pretty hard to live up to. <laughs> Usually, I'm, maybe I'll put people on the spot more often. Yeah, don't send the text. Though. I won't send yeah, the text. Yeah. <laughs> it makes me look bad. Yeah. Um, my three. I think I'm definitely enjoying the weather that we're having. It's been pretty nuts today, in particular. It's been really nice to be out and yeah. um getting around the weather i've also new mics mate you get to these are these are freshies so they do look the goods yeah so now that the listeners can actually understand what we're saying um maybe the podcast will do a little bit better the first two apps audio quality wasn't great but new mics i'm very grateful for those yeah um and also just i reckon just a coffee there's something about just a coffee in the morning there's no particular one i've had recently that's really stood out but I have a coffee every day and there's there's something about just sitting, you know, having a bit of time over a, over a mug. Um, yeah, there's something about that. It's just, I don't know how they came up with coffee back in the day, but thank God for whoever that was. Are you yeah. a coffee drinker? I am a big fan. Uh, it's very therapeutic. Um, I was actually, while we were in Hawaii, I, um, I think I converted to a long black, mainly because no one knew what a long Mac was and I just had it by default. I thought, actually, this, this isn't too bad. But yeah, big, big coffee fan, probably too much, like yourself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Long, um, I'm not quite long black yet, mate. My, my skin folds are a bit different to yours. <laughs> you could smash the full cream milk, I reckon. Now, look, be believe right. me, after, um, yeah, the... the weeks following the race in hawaii the skin folds aren't great at the moment i'm trying to bounce back from that so a bit of weight to lose but yeah now let's talk about hawaii obviously it's um pretty incredible what you did over there it was your first time competing at the ironman world championships in in kona hawaii let's let's talk about kona 
I guess, as a whole, what what is it for the uninitiated? As you said, the the local rag didn't give you a write up, so so let's give it a bit of a pump up, mate. What's oh, what's Kona and what's Ironman? Yeah, I certainly wasn't expecting a, a write up um, when you're finishing as far down as me, but I, th- I thought maybe good stuff even seven forty might get a little bit more attention than, than what it did. But yeah, look, it's it's the world championship, so uh, it happens every year. The last couple have been um, cancelled with with COVID, uh, so yeah, you can qualify in order to participate in a number of races around, you know, there's three in Australia, um, there's, there's hundreds around the world, and, uh, yeah, the, the number of slots depends on the number of participants in your category. If you have more people racing, you, you have a greater number of slots. And um, traditionally, there's usually 2,500 people that, that make the race. Um, but, yeah, cancelling the last two years with COVID, there's a backlog of, of competitors who qualified. So for the first time, they actually split it over two days so they got the women and a few of the male categories racing on the thursday but then yeah the male pros and and most of the other male uh categories on the on the saturday so when before i was initiated into iron man as you said um my my brother does that does the half he's 0.5 of an iron man um (laughs) but before i was initiated into it I used to always think that when people talked about Ironman, it was the um, the Nutri-Grain Ironman, the people yeah. on the on the surf skis. Yeah, yeah. And a few people in their head might be thinking, well, how does that take you nine hours to do that? So It probably would it, the way I swim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is a what is an Ironman in terms of it's a, it's just basically is it is it the biggest triathlon that that there is or pretty close yeah, to? Yeah, essentially. So yeah, it's a three point eight k swim um, followed by one hundred and eighty k ride and then a, a forty two. Um, 0.2k marathon run at the end awesome you can almost hear the listeners ears pricking up going oh okay so this is what this vote does this <laughs> is this is going to be interesting so and obviously kona it was i think on their website described as like the main stage for iron man so this is like the big race that that everyone wants to be in obviously it was your first time yeah talk to me a bit about your i guess your relationship with with kona is it is it a demon? Is it a friend? Is it this mystical thing that you've been shooting for? What was your sort of relationship with Kona heading into heading into your first one and maybe in the years gone by? Yeah, I think when you hear the stories, uh, number one, you, you can't wear a wetsuit, so that scared me because oh, I need all the buoyancy I can, can get. Um, I sink in the water. So, yeah, that was scary. Uh, then you hear about the winds, in particular the descent from the town um, Harvey, which you ride up to and, and turn around from, and you hear stories of, of people being blown off their bikes when the winds you know, hit 90 kilometre per hour gusts and um, hence why you're not allowed to use disc wheels. And, and then they talk about the energy lab and in the run and how hot and humid it gets down there. But I think very fortunately for me um, and, and the competitors that raced in, in the most recent race um, a few weeks ago, the conditions were about as good as you could hope for. It was hot and humid, but the winds were um, probably as, as low as they've ever been, uh, according to, to all reports. So, yeah, it certainly made that descent and um, the ride a lot more in, enjoyable than what it probably would have been if the winds were up. What type of numbers are we looking at for that incline up to up to that town? What a how big is that climb for you? Oh, it's, it's about a 20-minute ascent. So it's, um, it goes for a while. It's, it's not a crazy gradient. It's not like you're riding up sort of Welsh pool, um, sort of that gradient. But, yeah, it's just a gradual long climb for 20 minutes and, and then you hit the turnaround point and, and come sailing back. So. And in terms of that marathon, the way it's been described as me, like it is like a pressure cooker, like you're in this sort of 
hot valley or something, isn't it? Can you describe sort of the temperatures that it gets to and what's it, yeah. what's it like? It must be a pretty lonely place out there. It's sort of like a desert almost, isn't it? Yeah, so um, th- someone described it to me as it's the place on Earth that receives more heat radiation than, than anywhere else. Um, and it's ironic because they send you there at about 2 o'clock in the afternoon when you've, you've already run 20K. So it doesn't uh, sound it's like, like the walking dead when, yeah. you, when you look around. But it is very hot. When you actually reach the bottom of it, there's a, a patch along the coast and you get a bit of a breeze. But um, the strip from the Queen down to the coast and back up, um, which takes a while, is yeah, it's, it's hot. You're surrounded by rocks. And I think the Garmin, yeah, averaged the, the run heat at 34.8 with a max of about 38. And, yeah, it was definitely 38 um, at the Energy Lab so far out yeah so it sounds like a really good place to have one of the more challenging sporting events in the world to yeah. to send them into that that cauldron whose yeah. idea was that um now we love celebrating people's success on the show and mm-hmm. and mate you're here because you did something extraordinary like those type of distances let alone in those conditions and without your trusty wetsuit. That's pretty that's pretty incredible. When I when I text you to come on, I've got a bit of a quote here. You said, not sure I would call what I did extraordinary. And then you gave another um, shout out to Gustav Iden. But mate, has it sort of sunk in yet that what you did was was pretty special? I know you've done a few Ironmans, but it's pretty incredible. Not many people will ever do that. Yeah, look, that's um, very kind, mate, and um, yeah, appreciate the, the kind words. But I think it's a sort of sport where you can only do as well as, as you can prepare and, and hope for and, and think really your realistic expectations and ability you're at. So for me, I was it was really rewarding that I think I had probably the best possible day. I think I thought about it in advance and thought, yeah, 9.15 was probably my best outcome so to, to hit a 914 and um, have a really good day was was really pleasing and like I said you know I was, I was miles off the, the pros I was miles off um, the top enders in my age group but you can't control what they're going to do all you can really control is is yourself and your performance on the day so yeah and it's been really nice coming back to Perth I've been blown away with how many kids and parents and um, you know, people I know through various circles were saying that they were following me on the app and congratulations. And like I said to you at the start, I genuinely didn't think that many people cared about the sport and, and the race or even knew about it. So, yeah, it's it's been um, lovely, the support. Now, tell me a little bit about your relationship with triathlons and when you got into this sort of stuff um, and then moving into when you did your first Ironman. How long has this journey been for for you? Dad actually used to drag me down as a real youngster. I reckon I would have been, I don't know, six, seven, eight, and um, probably wasn't overly responsible of him because I'd stand by the side um, and just watch him compete. But he'd always get me Maccas at the end of it. So I was a chubby little kid. So a Maccas breakfast with the old boy, um, even if you had to get up at Sparrows on a Sunday morning and watch your dad come, um, you know, third last in his age category, but still be stoked and, and sit down with him and have a good feed afterwards was are certainly worth it. So you look, that was my first introduction to the sport. And then I went to, to cricket. I had a year of little athletics, but but went to cricket for probably a few too many years and wasted many an hour sitting under a tree pondering, you know, brain explosions that, that happened out at the centre wicket after not being there for very long. And, and um, actually got asked if I wanted to run in a team. And, and Dad was doing the – this was at a 70.3 down in Buso and um, – I thought, yeah, I'll, I'll go down and, and do that. And I was just blown away with, um, you know, the number of people participating, 
the vibe, like how positive it was. And I thought, yeah, this is cool. Like I want to do one of these. And um, over the next kind of couple of years, did a few halves and then, yeah, mustered up the courage to tackle a full. And that was sort of my um, my triathlon journey. Yeah. So 70.3 for the uninitiated, that's the that's the half where you yep. basically those distances that you said earlier, you halve those. Yeah. And then 140.6, that's the Ironman. And yep. that's the total miles, isn't it? I yeah. Believe so. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Yeah. Um when did you start thinking I wanna I wanna get better at this, like I wanna actually put some effort in. I know that you said that you you know, joined a team and you just ran at the start. You were probably running for a while, but when do you remember a moment where you were like, All right, this is actually I wanna do this, this is this is really cool, this is what I wanna put a lot of my time and energy into. Yeah, well, Dad got stuck into me about being in the team and said it's not a real triathlon, so I had to prove him wrong the next year. And then my first 70.3, I um, I got into transition and left my gels behind on the bike and completely bonked like I've never bonked before and literally cramped for 18 out of the 21Ks of the run and thought this is the worst sport. I'm not doing this again. Never even contemplated doing a, um, a full Ironman. But, yeah, went in with very little training and a lot of ignorance, you know, didn't really research the nutrition required and the training required. So um, the following year made a lot of the same mistakes and, and, and did similar things. And then sort of the year after I thought, no, I want to have a crack at the full and I'll, I'll look more into the training and the nutrition side of it. And then, yeah, this um, in a couple of weeks will, will be my fifth um, and probably final for a while. Um you know full distance race and yeah i like to think you know, I've, I've got a coach now uh shout out to ralph bow the, the running center uh, sorry front runner he's fantastic and yeah certainly paid a lot of attention and learned some really good lessons and uh, about nutrition and like to think of, i've got a formula that sort of works okay for a you know an age grouper and when did kona start to become a thing where you thought oh that sounds pretty cool where you hearing all these rumours about the, you know, the cauldron and, and the heats and stuff like that. When does that start to be a goal of yours? Yeah, it was probably last year. So for the first one, it was just try and go under sort of 12 hours, and I think I did 10.24, and then it was like the year after, oh, I think I can break 10 hours and went 9.59, and, and then the year after that with a bit more training and, and understanding nutrition, I thought, yeah, if I can go sort of 9.30, you just don't know who's going to come, but with the border restrictions... There was a lot of the Europeans, you know, the top end Europeans that, that traditionally can sometimes come here and race were out. So I thought, yeah, if I have an okay race, then that might be good enough to, to get me there. And sure enough, yeah, came fourth with four tickets, four slots and and managed to, to get a position. So, But that could have gone, you know, if three or four guys from other places come over, then then that means, you know, you, you do the same time and you miss out. So it is sort of dependent on, on other people. But, yeah, last year I thought... If all went to plan, I'd, I'd get a slot, so I was fortunate enough to do so. Now, to put it into perspective, a lot of people obviously go for a, a jog and stuff and, and do a bit of exercise themselves. What type of splits are you doing for the, the swim, the bike and the run so that people have a bit of an idea about how incredible it is because i know how this is going to go you're going to downplay everything that you do and i want people to understand mate you are you're you're a freak on the in this sport yeah definitely not look the swimming i'll start with um so a reverse freak with the swimming um certainly making up the numbers at the back and just trying not to get eaten by shark or um harpooned by japanese whaling trawler or or drown but um yes that puts me around about an hour five-ish um, and then hoping to do a, a four, so that that's one minute, sort of 43, 
hundreds um, for, for just under 4K and then, yeah, 450-ish for the bike, which is about 37Ks an hour and then um, three, you know, hopefully around the three-hour mark, which is sort of four seven eights for the marathon. And then... Being... I'm laughing because of how nonchalantly you, you say this. In terms of a... Like in a... I ran eight k's today, and you know it was terrible conditions for running today. It was, it was yeah. yeah so, Wind yeah. was somewhere between three and five kilometers yeah, per hour. Yeah, I know, and I was running straight into it the whole time. Yeah, but mate, yeah. I did. I, I wasn't feeling too well. I had a big night at work, and I did like you know five fifty fives or something. And you've just swum all this way, and then ridden all this way, and then you're running like. I'm just trying to put in your head how freaky this stuff that you're doing is, mate. Do you do you ever sit and appreciate any of any of that, or is it all just trying to get better? Yeah, I think like I've been chipping it away for for a few years now. So um, like you compare times, but obviously I'm you know at the moment doing 15 sort of 17 hours a week of, of training. So you'd hope that that's going to give you some some good reward. But you know it's like first grade cricketers are going to be hitting lots of balls and. They're going to go out and look better at centre wicket than, than I would as if I was to chuck the pads on. So, yeah, I think um, it probably seems, you know, faster or that. But when you're actually in the sport and you're training with guys and you're realising what, what some guys are doing and what, like, I'm just blown away with what the pros do. I, I swam 50 metres this morning with flippers on, um, going as hard as I could, and I think that was still at a slower pace than, than what the pro, the top 18 guys came out in the water. So, um, yeah, like, I've kind of reached goals that i'm happy with but um yeah i'm still in awe of, of the top end guys and and what they're doing you did talk about a little bit about um you know the amount of hours and and stuff mm. that you're putting into it let's talk a bit about you know what you're sacrificing and stuff i know that obviously you have you know you've got a full-time job and um you've got family and kids and you know but you're you're outputting sometimes you know more than five hours a day into into this pursuit getting up early can imagine you're tired no wonder you love coffee um but yeah do you ever like think about the the time that you're sacrificing and stuff how hard is it to you know to hear that alarm at 5 a.m in the morning or to you know sometimes you might miss your son getting out of bed and stuff like that you know stuff like that do you ever do you ever think about that side or is that yeah, absolutely, and that's why probably you know in, in a month or so this one will be my, my last one for a while. And um, yeah, I think I, I do the two things I probably sacrifice the most are sleep. Um, or, or, you know, get about six hours of sleep. The alarm goes off at four thirty. You know, most mornings, and um, I don't watch TV. So you know, uh, yeah, and I do. People sometimes make mention about you know time. Go, oh, I don't know how you do it, but. Um, you can ask them. Then they'll proceed to tell you about the three games of football they watched in the weekend. You go, well, that's actually more time than I spent training. But yeah, I, I think um, the, the mornings are good because you know if you're willing to get up, the alarm goes off, and yeah, you're right. It's it's often not a great feeling, but you know between that sort of four thirty and seven, there's going to be little disruption in, in your day in terms of work and family often sleeping. So um, I try and do a lot of that. But yeah, certainly I think the hardest one's probably the, the big ride you got to do, you know, the five sort of six hour ride if you, and then followed by a half an hour run brick if you're doing on a Saturday and you're conscious, you know, wife and child are, are at home and you're missing that time with them. So yeah, it, it's a bit of a balance. In terms of brick for people that don't understand, that's, you know, you're getting off the, off the bike and running or you're getting out straight out of the water straight onto running and, and stuff Correct. like that. So yeah. you're trying to simulate Combine. that, what it would be like on a 
triathlon really yeah um now one of the things i'm really into at the moment is challenging myself and and pushing all the you know things that i thought i was capable of so as you know i'm running a half marathon in um just under a a month's time yeah and with your brothers which is awesome that's that's such a cool thing to do yeah Yeah. it's it's very exciting so we'll be um we'll be doing there's three of us doing a half while you'll be doing a, a full by yourself we might actually cut that out actually no one needs to hear about that um <laughs> no it's great i reckon that's awesome like i've been fortunate enough to do um some races with my dad and it's really special so you know yeah. all the best and i think the beers afterwards will be be really well deserved and really special between you three yeah we'll probably work harder over the beers than i think we will yeah. during the race yeah. um but mate what i'm thinking is if i went back in time you know got in a time machine and went back even six months ago and told myself and I was pretty fit six months ago. Like I've had a journey over about two and a half years where I've lost a heap of weight, got a lot fitter. But six months ago, I was like, I was pretty happy with where I was. Yeah. And if I went back in time and told myself the amount of Ks that I'd be putting into my legs, like would have thought I was crazy. If I told myself how looking now, would have thought no way. Like we're already working really hard. Yeah. What do you reckon you'd say if you if you went back in time to yourself? Did you always know that you'd, that you had it in you to be doing this type of stuff or no like i remember looking at the cycling leg 180 k's going there's no way like when i first started the sport there's no way i can ride 180 k's and as i said to you before like chipping away of it you know regularly over the last few years now kind of your average ride on a, on a saturday is somewhere between 120 and 150 k's and, and you're doing that each week so it becomes a lot less daunting i think if you just went from cold turkey to bang i'm going to do an ironman then yeah it'd be incredibly daunting but if you you know you start off with the sprints and the, the olympics then the halves and then suddenly you think yeah actually i can do this but um yeah i think you know no one should as elio chip koji the, um, the current marathon world record keep holder keeps saying, you know, um, don't put limits on, on your ability and what you think you're capable of. Um, and it is it is part of that to, you know, your your mind's telling you to be comfortable, you know, your mind's telling you like, oh, that, that calf muscle hurts or, oh, I could do with a little bit of sleep, you know, your mind's, but all the stuff, the good stuff that happens, happens outside of that sort of comfortable zone in terms yeah. of, pain and your relationship with pain to achieve things you need to be able to convince your mind to stop being uncomfortable or just ignore it in general because um, all the good stuff happens past that comfort zone you know our minds always want to be comfortable but to do what you do you, you can't be comfortable all the time talk to me a little bit about your relationship with with pain for some people pain is something they try to avoid or it's something that happens accidentally but sometimes you're you're putting the pain on yourself. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Yeah, I think in in life circumstances, touch wood, I've been really fortunate and haven't like had any experience with what I would call real pain or trauma. Um, you know, I've seen a few students in in my time lose parents um, at, at, while they're so young, and and that's real pain. And I think when you watch your wife go through childbirth, and I just think they're next level tough. And so I think, yeah, the the pain you go through as an athlete is number one self inflicted, and, and number two very minor and, and insignificant compared to, you know, what what people go through in in daily life. But I'll, I'll talk about one training session which I. I probably found the most uncomfortable and that was a, a heat acclimatization brick session so it involved 20 minutes uh on the bike at pretty much 70.3 intensity uh followed by 
10 minute run and you did that five times so it was like two and a half hours straight but it was on the ergo with the heater blasted with as much clothing as i could put on and just literally sweating like like making a, a pool that my three and a half year old could have swum in um on the uh the mat below and you can imagine how impressed my wife was when she walked in and saw the heater on a pool of sweat and me wearing 15 different layers of clothing on a pretty warm um you know afternoon and and then i put all the clothing on and was running laps and you know around the school oval and I think a few of the boarders were looking at me like, "Sir, you've you've genuinely lost the plot. Like, are you okay?" So, yeah. Look, in terms of motivation, that that was probably one of my least favourite ones. And and yeah, some of the the five hour rides up and down the cycle path. If you haven't got a training buddy and you've been you know left to do that on your own, there's a, a fair bit of soul searching time. So yeah, because people often ask, you know, what's what's the most uncomfortable part of it? And I think it often is the training. Like you do during the race, you your mind goes into this quite uh, unusual and addictive sort of zone that, that's really hard to replicate and yeah you do you lose a bit of bark in the downstairs region with all the chafe that's never nice and usually um in the last sort of 20 k's 30 k's of the bike it's pretty tough especially if you're you know riding pushing into a wind is, is often the case for the last bit at Bosselton. that that's not great um at, at the start of the swim in Kona, I was I was getting bashed in in the head and, and whacked. It was just carnage. Like in Buster, you do a rolling start where you just gently sort of walk in in groups of three, and um, Kona was just like 350 egotistic testosterone bikes just swimming for the same boy at the sound of a gun, and it, it was carnage. But look, I, I think as an athlete or playing sport, as cricket and football when I was younger, I was pretty poor at making decisions. I think you know you see some people and they're, they're good tacticians, they understand gameplay. I certainly wasn't that, but I think one strength I do have is I think I can put myself in a in sort of a place of discomfort, you know, moderately speaking, in terms of an athletic sense, and um, and be able to tolerate that for sustained periods of time. And yeah, when the alarm goes off at four thirty, it's, it's sort of not something you want to do. But I always find once you know once you get up and you've done it, you're always grateful for doing it. So yeah, that's probably my relationship with the, the challenges that that come with the sport. You touched on it a little bit with the with the boarders. I don't know if we've mentioned it, that you you work at a boarding house. You know, you're at a um, private school in Perth. You know, yet here you've got boarders here, and you're doing yep. a bit of training around here. Um, you mentioned it. I don't know if you quite said the c word, crazy, but how many times? How often do you reckon you get called crazy? Well. I actually, my wife gave me a suggestion of giving the boys a feedback form and they all put, do not ever walk into the boarding house in Lycra. And I thought they were joking and they actually said to me, no, like, seriously, sir, this is this is wrong. We shouldn't have to see you in Lycra. Um, so, yeah, they certainly don't approve of that. And, yeah, they don't approve of the shaved legs or the sport itself. But I think, yeah, they're predominantly footballers and, and cricketers. But, now look, we've actually got a few kids that are really hardworking rowers and, and love it and, and they've shown a lot of interest and, and some of the boys are on Strava now and, and um, they'll come up and be like, oh, I saw what you did this morning. And yeah, I'm able to give them kudos for what they did. So yeah, that, that's that's cool. They're probably rolling out of bed at 8 a.m. not wanting to go to school. And by that time, you've already, you know, ridden across the ridden across the greater Perth region and stuff like that. So um, it's, pretty, it's pretty intense what you do, mate. Um, now tell me, you might, the answer might be no, but have you ever wanted to give up? Like, whether that be in a training session, I, I imagine that that thought, I definitely have that thought. Like, whenever I go for a run, I'm like, that'll do. Um, do you have that voice in the back of your head that says, that'll do? 
yeah, certainly training sessions where you you feel like cutting it a bit short. Or, um, but I think the key with that is whether it's a, a ride or a, a run of a long variety. If you just go out to the freeway and one way, you got to come back somehow, and um, yeah, you, you might be over it and might be done, but you just got to keep pedalling. Um, but I know, look, in the lead-up to Kona, it was difficult in, in terms of the weather. I think five weekends in a row, it didn't matter which day I tried to, whether it was Saturday or Sunday, to, to do the long ride. It just bucketed down. And um, I had a ride with a mate where we met at, at the um, the bell tower at 5.20, and we'd ridden out. It was freezing cold. We'd ridden out to the hills, and we'd ridden for about half an hour, and it just bucketed down on us. And we were just so angry, had zero interest. We didn't talk to it. We didn't say a word for about an hour. Um, and yeah, it was freezing cold and then the sun came up and we got a coffee and we started to cheer up a bit, but yeah, I think we both were just waiting for one of each other to just say, Hey, I'm, I'm done. Let's go home. This is stupid. Like who does this? Is that running with a mate? I imagine, or exercising with a mate. It's, it's almost an ego thing that you don't want to be the one that pulls the pin. So does that help a little bit sometimes as well? Yeah. I think that hour of waiting between the two of us was just waiting for the other person to say like, Hey, why are we doing this? Let's turn around and go home and jump into bed. But, um, it certainly helps like, yeah, I'd recommend to anyone that's thinking about it to just try and find a group or a a buddy because the motivation to do those tough and and long sessions is just, it's so much more enjoyable when you've got, you know, someone or a group that you can look forward to meeting and, and having a coffee with after. Awesome. It can be quite a, a solo and you know selfish and individual sport. So I think those opportunities where you get to share that with people is, is really good. How do you go with your with your own thoughts in your own head, just being left alone? Is it for some people it's therapeutic, for some people it's the complete opposite, and they you know they want music and stuff like that. Um, you're one of those people. I don't exercise with music, and the more people that I talk to that do like endurance stuff, they don't exercise with music but some people think that that's that's nuts to be out there just alone how do you go just being alone with your with your thoughts is it therapeutic what what's it like yeah i seem to be okay with it i much prefer like i said if, if i can find a buddy to do a, a run or ride with i really look forward to the session and enjoy it so much more but yeah my default is if there's no one i'll just go on on my pat malone and and do it but um yeah like i was telling you before we, we did this I, I um a mate introduced me to some shock headphones which i gave a crack on saturday i thought gee these are good i've been missing out here for a while so i think um a trip down to jb hi-fi if i've if i've got any long ones coming up where i can't find someone to do them with me might be the way to go awesome they're like i think you said they're like sort of halfway between a speaker and a headphone where you don't have to get all the sweat and stuff inside of your ear and yeah the airpods falling out the side the, the exactly. new mics are from jb hi-fi so if you tell them luke sent you you'll get absolutely no discount whatsoever yeah right <laughs> yeah no i tried um tried the same with the shocks and yeah got donuts so yeah certainly no commission <laughs> now we have a fan question right i don't know this he, must be taken off this podcast if you got you got yeah something Genuine like fans. that uh not no they're fans of yours mate oh, they're right. not fans of mine <laughs> trust me no that i've got no fans um, <laughs> i don't think i had any either um so me and a mate a little while actually followed you on strava yeah right to check out what you're doing and we won't mention that you didn't follow us back we will just skip <laughs> over that um i try and limit social media time like yeah yeah good idea and you have uh, <laughs> hey he's doing his first 70 3 coming up he's he's doing busso the the mate that's that sent in this question his name's ben yeah so good he, on you ben good luck mate all the best 
he was... Give me, sur- give me his surname so I can follow him back. But... Yeah, you know, yeah. Are you not, so you're not going to follow me back? Oh, you yeah, know yeah. my surname. I do know yours, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, We'll move on, mate. It's all good. I, I'm over it. Um, <laughs> what strategies do you do you have in place when you're, when you're pacing your bike or, or run legs for a 70.3 or a, or a full? Do you know going in, like, that's what Ben wants to know, some pacing strategies? Yeah, absolutely. Like, um, hopefully through your training that you've got an idea of what realistically you think you're capable of for the duration of those. And I think doing a a race sim, actually this weekend would be perfect. Um, I'm doing one. I know a lot of the 70.3 guys and and Ironman athletes are. And and that's where you go out and you try and hit the times that you think you're going to hopefully hold on the day with with a modified. So I'll do a 4K swim, then 125K ride and then a... Um, 25k run so shorter than you know roughly two-thirds and um the the biggest i think most important thing apart from sort of keeping a track of that on your garmin and, and that and not getting sort of swept away if there's a bit of a race in front of you is your nutrition and hydration i think that's like they refer to as the fourth discipline of Ironman and certainly the probably the most neglected one. But, yeah, for me, you know, it's every, I've got my 800ml water bottle with markings on it and sort of every 20 minutes on the bike I'm, I'm having 200ml of that and um, at the end of, you know, the hour I'm having a gel and I know when I'm running I'm having a gel every 20 minutes and taking in salt tablets and I'm making sure that I'm getting in, you know, 90 grams of, of high GI carbohydrate, per hour and um, getting the fluid in that, that I need to. So, yeah, I think if you monitor your nutrition and make sure that you're getting in the hydration, the calories that you need to, that that's super important. It's something that I really neglected for, for my first, um, you know, handful of 70.3s. So how long did it take you to, to sort of work that out, that that was, that was something that you needed to do? Because it does make a massive difference, mate. Those those gels, now that I'm running sort of that longer, different, longer distance, it's, it's crazy how much the difference they make you're, uh, yeah. you're a different person yeah absolutely like i said those those first two races i did i had absolutely no idea didn't you know do give it the due diligence it deserved and consequently had had terrible races and, and then even the first um two ironman i did i found in the run um with with the gels i was using at the time like you know 14ks in i had to stop and go to the, the toilet and then just run through feeling my, like my, my guts were bouncing up and down and um yeah like i've gone to the morton gels and again no give them a plug no commission or anything and they are expensive but um i was trying to tell one of my tight mates who reckoned he's, he's going to race on the sis and, and they're heaps cheaper and i said well yeah look go for it but i think that's a part of the reason why some of the guys are you know professionals are doing the times they are those morton gels for whatever reason for me just just sit and digest so much better than anything else i've ever used and um you know i seem to be able to run without that digestional discomfort that, that i had in previous races yeah. but you know they, they recommend that you, you do that all through training and and you know the race in this weekend you'd fuel like you would on the on the day and that's the sort of time to explore and, and make sure you dial in all those things it's part of what we talked about before the I know you're talking about, you know, even the gel that you're having to keep your energy levels up, then you've got a bit of, you know, you've got a bit of a guts ache. Like, it's it's really uncomfortable. You're really uncomfortable for a lot of the time. I think people might look at the t- type of case you're doing, um, especially people that don't do this stuff themselves and go, oh, like, it must be, I wonder when it got easy for him. Like, it's it must be pretty easy. But it's not, is it? Like, it's, it's pain all the time. It's discomfort. It's chafe like it's there's just crazy little things that you don't even think about that you're always 
pushing yourself through. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, the good thing for me with the bike is I think it's distributed. Like, I, I get a bit of um, sort of hot foot, so the foot's uncomfortable, and, and then, you, like I said, you're, um, you, you're wearing away at skin in certain regions of your body, and that's not nice, and, and especially on the um, the rough parts of the Chewit Drive. So, um, yeah, it'd be, be lovely if the Bustard Council could, could smooth out some of those sections of the road, but it's is a great course. And then... Um, yeah, obviously, like your neck and, and back. So, but at least it's all over. So you're not kind of concentrating on on the one spot. Yeah, it's good to have pain everywhere yeah. rather than rather than nowhere. Yeah, That's but what... lot, but someone did say to me like going into it, you know, you, you got to take moments in the race and and think. Number one, no one's making me doing this. This is a choice. And, and number two, like I think it was really good advice, like to look around and go, how good is this, and and how lucky am I sort of to be doing this. I had a couple of moments in car, I kind of went to breathe on my left and I saw the sun coming up over the, the volcano and I was like, how, how cool is that? I had plenty of room to look because everyone else was way ahead of me and, and, and on the bike, um, you know, I had a moment, I looked out at the, the ocean and just thought, this is this is unbelievable and sort of running down Polani Drive to the finish, I actually consequently cramped with about a K to go, but just took that time to, to actually, probably only three occasions, but think like how, how amazing and spectacular is this, so... It is pretty nuts, especially with Perth, like this river loop that gets crazy people going through. Like it, mm. it is a beautiful sport, you know. Yeah, as you said, you you're up before the sun, it's quiet, yeah. and you're waking up with the birds. It is, yeah, it is quite nice. Now, Ben had two questions, uh, and his second one, he said, "What advice do you have when you're starting to battle mental demons towards the back of the the bike or the?" Or the run is there is there anything that you do when those those thoughts start creeping in or do you just don't have them just just no you just get over it you certainly do have them i think like the point i just made before and just to take the time and go like this is self-inflicted and i'm making this choice and just to look around at you know on on the run you'll look out to the beautiful coast and and the water will be there when it's probably 35 degrees you're going to want to jump in it but and same with the Chewett forest and and you know looking down in the swim there's there's so many just spectacular parts of the race that are, are truly beautiful and the other thing to keep in mind is is um the beers afterwards so yeah just know that it, it might feel like forever at the time but you know a few hours you'll be done awesome um now if you could go back in time to when you first started or when you were 18 when did you when did you start how old do you reckon you were oh uh, when i did my first one would have been yeah sort of late 20s yeah, yeah. so yeah if you could go back in time to when you first started is there any advice or anything that you've that you've learned since then that you wouldn't mind giving to yourself i'd go back to my time in primary school and high school and tell myself to stop being lazy and get to swim squat in the morning so I could actually learn how to swim um, and not be at the back of the pack. So, yeah, that would be the advice I'd give to myself, definitely. Just um, get involved in swimming. <laughs> now, in terms of advice that you'd give this pod, as I, as I explained to you, it's we're trying to inspire people and we're talking to people that challenge themselves on a daily basis. And, and it's been really great to hear some of your insights into, into some of this stuff that we've talked about today but but what advice do you think you'd you'd give someone who is starting out exercising maybe you know they can hardly run a kilometer at the moment like what advice would would you give to someone like that yeah just to be like happy and content with with what you're doing i think and and just having small but achievable goals and you know you might not think down the track you're capable of doing something but if you chip it away you know, at a, over a long period of time, you, you'd be surprised 
just even subconsciously with you know how much stronger and better you're getting or healthier and, and what you're capable of yeah because you didn't you didn't finish your your first half iron man did you finish did you I fin- get across i finished the line? it i hobbled across it yeah 18 out of the 21 k so yeah, yeah it was um it was diabolical so in yeah. terms of that like that's where you've started and now you you know you're at the biggest iron man event in the world so yeah it, it i guess it is sort of you're living proof that and I just keep going, be happy with where you're at and try to get better next time. Yeah, yeah, and I never would have thought, you know, at that period of time when I first started that it certainly wasn't even something that was, was on the radar. So Awesome. Yeah. So I got a I got a bit of a spiel here. So as you know, I battled my way through an through an eight K today. I felt flat, sore, and I just wasn't quite in the right space to do it. I'd run yesterday, had a big day at work, you know. Woke up probably not not as not on the right side of the bed. Log into Strava, James O'Neill, as he always is on Strava. <laughs> uh, you'd swum 3.8 k's. You'd ran 19 kilometres this morning, and then you would have gone to work, right? So there's there's two ways I can react to that. I can either feel inspired and go, "Wow, how how good's that? I want to be like that one day," or I can do the other one, which is more common for me, where I go, "Oh." hate myself, hate James, never going to be like that. That guy, you know, he's just like, it's genetic. Like, I just don't have those genes and stuff like that. What are your thoughts on comparing yourselves to other others? Because that might even be the, the way that you feel about the winner of the Ironman, you know? Yeah, I'd say don't. It probably don't. I think for all it's positive strava can be really dangerous like that because it doesn't matter like we're all going to follow people that are better than us and do more than us and and you feel that sort of guilt or need to to do it um where hopefully it's it's coming more intrinsically than than extrinsically but i would like to point out i was meant to actually do that run yesterday afternoon and uh, a few things happened with with work and things and just didn't work out so that's not a normal sort of morning okay but, um, so you're, yeah. you're human it was a it was a delayed run i actually um yeah jumped on the trampoline with with my son and and had a little swim in the pool with him which was far more enjoyable it was windy yesterday so yeah, yeah i might blame work and everything and but yeah like you it was just lucky to pump yesterday as well so but do you have those thoughts and those feelings do you ever feel i don't know if it's you know if it's you know i almost felt to be honest mate i felt like i you almost feel hopeless sometimes you know when you see someone who's achieving so much and you go far it took me it took everything inside of me to get to 8k's you know what i mean and you feel like i'll never be like that or something like that do you ever get those do those feelings ever come in to your head yeah look i know there's a couple of guys i follow on strava that are really good swimmers and i just look at their times in the pool and go like how do you do that and i wish you could be like that but yeah like i said at the end of the day you know um there's not many people in the world making money out of this sport. There's there's only a handful, and um, yeah, really, it's it's more just about achieving what you think personally you're capable of and and chipping away at it. But yeah, it's it's a double-edged sword because it, it can be dangerous. I think, especially you know when you're following a program. And the great thing about it is you know you're going to improve and you're going to get faster, but you're also going to feel the the need to do those training sessions, and it, it can become you know quite addictive and, and selfish as well. So, talk to me about that addiction because not not a lot of people feel it but but a lot of endurance athletes in particular sort of get to that zone where it's like oh this is you know i want to do this every day and i love how it makes me 
how it makes me feel. Can you try to describe some of the some of the feelings that you get either during the race or or after the race that become quite addictive? Yeah, so for my first three Ironmans, I didn't actually follow a strict program. Like I had a rough idea of, of what I should do weekly. And um, the, the pros of that is it was a lot more adaptable and flexible. Um, the downside of it was I certainly wasn't going as quick as, as what I am now. So I think, yeah, it's with the program and you know the days where you're doing two sessions a, a day are, are tough and um but you feel like well if i sleep in or if i don't do that or if i miss that then it's become so much easier to do the same the next time so you just go well, if it's on the program you know i've got to do it the, the positive of that is it obviously makes you stronger and better but the downside of it is that it's always in the back of your mind and you're probably putting yourself under a bit of pressure and, and stress to fit it in where it's hard to and you know around family and work and um, you know sometimes that has an impact on, on work and family as well so yeah it, like I said it's, it's a double-edged sword and probably trying to balance it and go some days well hey it just it's not going to work out today and I've I, I got to let it go um, rather than, than just doing you know sacrificing too many things now i'm sure that your pursuit as an as an athlete makes you you know it'd it'd make you happier it'd make you you know um a lot more content and stuff probably makes you a better dad or a better husband and, and stuff like that but i have no doubt that people for whatever reason would would have questions about you know like how much mm. time you're dedicating yeah, and stuff like that and a bit of feedback and and if I was to hazard a guess, a lot of the people are people that don't exercise very much and they might be a bit jealous of, you, of your dedication so they pot you on the way past. Um, do, do you have any experiences of that and how do you sort of respond when, when people say or, or do or think things like that? Yeah, absolutely, and you do get it a bit, and um, like you said, it's often quite foreign to, to people, and I think, yeah, getting up at 4.30 and, and doing a lot of the exercise then, you know, if you're on doing a 15-hour week, you can kind of do half of that while your family is still sleeping, but then there's still, you know, seven and a half hours that you got to do when when um, they, they're around, but, you know, everyone has hobbies, and, you know, if you're playing football in the middle of the day or you go on fishing trips or, you know, you, you catch up with your mates for a poke night they're sort of things that I've I've do hardly ever do um, or, or don't do and you kind of become mates and spend a lot of your time with friends that you train with so yeah that that certainly is one and like the point I made to you before you know people will go oh, I don't know how you got time or how can you fit that in but um, you know they might sleep until 10 o'clock on a Sunday or they'll talk about watching my kitchen rules and love island and this that and the other and you think well if you weren't doing all that, then you'd be surprised with how much, you know, if you were willing to kind of have six hours a night sleep and get up at 4.30, you'd be surprised in, you know, what you could fit in. No, it's really exciting, mate. Thank you very much for, for coming on. I think you're, um, you're such a driven guy. And, and one thing that I really like about you, is you as you said, and um, something that I hope to live by is you got to make sacrifices, you know what I mean? Like you, sometimes you have to think a bit, outside the box to achieve your goals and one thing i really like is is how you spoke about that so so candidly and um fingers crossed and i think it will people you know hear some of the lessons that you've talked about today um and definitely want to follow them and, and maybe go out and achieve we're all about inspiring people thank you very much for coming on the show welcoming me into your home and and all the best for for Boston when it comes around and maybe hanging up the bike and shoes one day or going around again. 
yeah good on you luke thanks a lot for your time and it's been great yeah getting to know you as well and um yeah i think it's great what you're doing and look forward to to listening to the other podcasts and um wish you all the best for your upcoming race with your brothers like i said that's awesome and yeah look forward to having a few celebratory beers and on saturday night of the race awesome mate i'll wait for you at the finish line please do (laughs) (laughs) cheers thanks luke How good's that, hey? What a chat. It was it was a lot of fun to be able to talk to James. He's one of those guys that's he's just really nice and you're sitting there. Um, he's quite genuine. Um, he's a really good guy. Um, and as he said, you know, some people sometimes pot the amount of time that he puts into his um, into his own pursuits, but um, he did talk about something that I find really interesting where, you know, sometimes you gotta sacrifice things. He doesn't watch TV, you know, he doesn't often sleep in. Um, which at the end of the day, they're, they're luxuries. And if you want to achieve something, you've got to, you've got to make the most of every minute of every day. And, and he's definitely doing that. So it was very cool, very cool to chat to James. Our guest um, in a fortnight's time is, is someone that I was really excited to talk to. Um, another person who has a really interesting story and gave me some really good insights. So there's a little bit of a, of a teaser for you. Keep clicking back. Make sure you like, leave a review, do, do all that stuff that, you know, the pros, the professional podcasters usually tell you to do um, because apparently it helps um, and we're trying to get this show off the ground. So thanks very much for listening. Have a good week. Have a good fortnight. Take care of yourself. Check in with your mates. Check in with your mind. And I'll see you next time.